Thanks, Pastor Bob. Bless you, man. Hi. Go Broncos. Is that what you're feeling? Yeah, we're, we're going to have our hands full, right? But uh, we can do it. But uh, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. It's been a, a fun weekend. A little windy. Wow, where'd that come from? But those freezing temperatures kind of came up. So I don't know, wind or minus 10? What, what's your choice? <laughs> it's almost like it's winter here. I, I, it's amazing. Renee, we are, we are delighted to have you, and thank you for, for being here and giving it your heart. You know, I, last weekend, I really tried to challenge us to be the best that we can be in everything we attempt to do individually, personally. And this weekend, I want to continue kind of a part two of that, but I want to look at a little more of the corporate picture of what is it like to be a healthy church? Like, I know that we're healthy if we're healthy, if we're healthy as individuals, we're gonna be a healthy church. But I think there's some things that we need to talk about that are real. And so that's what I wanna do this weekend. It's kinda of two weekends of the year where we kinda of do the state of the church and how are we doing and where are we going and, and what are we highlighting, what are some of our goals. And so I, I want you to buckle up and be ready to talk about this. I, I saw a bumper sticker that still st has, sticks with me all the time I think of it. And I, it was on LeMay Avenue. Um, I was going toward Mulberry on LeMay and I got, I can take you right to the stoplight where I was. I pulled up behind this guy. <laughs> His, his bumper sticker said, life is too short to belong to a bad church. <laughs> and I just thought that was so clever. And I, I, I laughed out loud in the car, even though I was alone. You ever do that? You know, that can kind of be awkward. You catch yourself laughing. But, but I laughed, and I, I so agree with it. If you've ever been a part of a church that kind of goes haywire or falls apart or you know, for a variety of reasons. It's, it's really difficult because, you know, it's around the basis of honoring God. And, and so when, when tough stuff happens in churches, it, it's harder to understand. You might expect it in business or with someone letting you down, but you don't really expect to be wounded by a church. And yet that happens sometimes. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm fighting today for being healthy because any church has the potential of not being healthy. And I, I start by asking you, what do you think a healthy church is? Like, like if you had to define it, if I said take a moment, just write down what a healthy church. I wonder if it would include, you know, great worship. If you, would, if you would put that somewhere on the list. If you have a great worshiping church, does that mean that it's gonna always be a healthy church? Well, it's a component. How about teaching, you think that's important? Bible-based teaching for me would be really high on the list. Uh, how about the building? Is that important? If you have a really nice building, does that guarantee that you're going to have a really healthy church? Well, what if you have a nice parking lot also? <laughs> I mean, if you have a nice parking lot, you're probably going to have a healthy church, right? How about if it's a big church? You know, are big churches always healthy? Because they're big and they have a lot of people. <laughs> oh, okay, no, that's the small church that's healthy. The big ones are weird. Um, so you have to be small to be healthy, right? Or, or some would say medium sizes is healthy. How many of you would agree that it's really important if you're gonna be a healthy church, you've gotta have good coffee somewhere? <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect church, but there is such a thing as a healthy church. I, I, I love one comment that I read a while back that said, we had a perfect church until someone came. And there's a lot of truth in that because none of us are perfect. So if we're gonna do this together, we've got to understand that 
It matters how we treat each other. It matters what we believe about God. It matters all of those things that we talk about. Um, I, I think about this, this passage in Galatians, which we're gonna go there right now. Galatians chapter six, and we're just gonna go verse by verse. Some of this Paul is talking to the individual, and, and it's a challenge, a challenge for all of us to receive these words individually, but Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia because he really wants them to understand they're doing some things together and it matters how they handle that. So let's go. First thing in your outline, uh, they're all kind of based on a healthy church. I want you to fill in the blank that says, a healthy church is a church that restores. A church that restores. Now that's a wonderful word, the word restoration, and I wanna talk about it. But let me read from Galatians 6, verse one. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation. Now this is a really good admonition for all of us. It implies several things, but I wanna just tell you what this word restore means. If you look it up in the dictionary and it's talking about a building that is being restored, it'll say things like repair, fix, refurbish, mend, uh, recondition. There's another definition for the word restore that's used with the word sleep, like how sleep restores you. How many of you know it does? Yeah, okay. How many of you didn't get enough last night? Okay, we never do hardly. Um, in that context, it means to reinvigorate, to revitalize, to energize or fortify, to stimulate, and I love this one, to freshen. You know, I think, I think churches that restore or refresh us is, is part of the God component. The presence of God can do that in our lives. That's why the Bible actually says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can love God and not come to church, but we are called the bride of Christ and we are instructed to gather, to assemble, and I know you're here, so I won't preach very long on that one, right? You're here, you, you value that, and you should value that. And it's important to find a church that you can plug into and you can be consistent with uh, when, when you can and to be a part of it. I, I love the idea of being restored together. I found this TV channel, um, I don't know, a few months ago, and I just have fallen in love with it. Sometimes I just say to Bonnie, I'm gonna go watch Velocity. And it's the station that has all these restoration, these cars that, they go to these junkyards, they go to these old garages, and they find these cars that like have been laying out and they're rusted over, that you would think there is no way possible to get that car back in business. And they go find them, load them on the truck, take them into the shop, and cut out all the rust and do new panels, and it's fascinating. When they are done with that car, it looks brand new, and you just can't believe what it was and what it's become. I think that's a great picture of how God views us as his kids, that he wants to restore us. This verse implies several things. Let me just bullet through it real fast. It says, if a believer is caught in sin. What does that mean? That means that you and I must know we have the capacity to stumble, to fall, to commit sin in our lives. If I know that, then I'm gonna be quickened in my spirit to have an alertness about trying to avoid sin in my life, trying to go the other way, look the other way. It also says that godly people should be the ones restoring others back to life. 
And then it gives us this amazing thing. It says do it with gentleness and humility. You know, I, I've been around church people who just want to crucify somebody that's caught in sin. Bam, beat them up, get back down in that hole. You know, I mean, it's like, wow. We are to pull you forward and, and, and let you feel released from that burden of that sin. That's what healthy churches do, get you on the right path. And then it says, make sure not to fall in the same sin. I found that, I found that interesting in reading that. You know, the one thing that I see often with church life is that you can be a healthy church and it's still just a big mess because our lives are messy. We've had seasons here at Timberline where, man, I'm telling you, it's, for some reason, we have growth cycles, and most churches do. And when you're in a growth cycle, when we are in a growth cycle as a church, then people are finding Christ, they're coming to faith, and their lives are still a mess. And how many of you know that it takes some time before holiness gets a hold? And, and you can still have patterns of behavior that's destructive even though you've put your faith in God. And sometimes it's just a big mess. I tell people a growing church by people coming to faith is a messy church, but it can still be a healthy church. And, and I think I like that. I wanna be a part of that. Number two in your outline is this. A church that's healthy is a church that cares for other people. It's not just a self-centered church. We look outside the walls and we're not afraid to say we care about the people who don't like us. We care about the people who would disagree with us, and we're gonna love them anyway. And we're gonna love one another. Look at verse two. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I love this verse three. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're no big deal, dude. You're just not that important. Actually, you are valued, we're all valued equally. But this is a statement that says, don't let your life always just be about you. Care about some other people. Make a difference. Um, what does it mean to share one another's burden? You know, churches that get ingrown, have you heard that phrase where all they do is, is kind of support everything that they do and they don't have eyes that see the world. They just, it's all about us and what we do and how we do it and what we're reading and we're, we're together. And it's like an ingrown toenail and it just creates pain for everybody. When churches can see out and they start carrying the burden of other people. I remember having a, oh, I made such a foolish decision one time as a youth pastor. We, we had a large youth group and we had a, a, we decided we're gonna take them on a backpacking hike. And so like, like a three or four day one. And so we had these junior high kids and high school kids. We had like 80 kids going up this trail to like Bear Track Lake outside of Denver. And it was, it was kids were showing up in flip-flops and, you know, it snowed on July 4th up there. It was crazy. I have lots of stories about that trip. But I remember this one kid who got pretty sick about an hour in. It was a really hard first four hours. It was really uphill. And I don't know if it was altitude sickness or what, but he got sick. It was like flu-like symptoms. And he just sat down and couldn't go. And... And I, it was, I still remember this. I took his backpack off, opened it up, and I said, we're gonna, pack, we're gonna give your stuff for other people to carry. Who would carry his shoes? Who would carry this water? Who would carry, and, and these young people just started gathering around. Yeah, I can take that, I can take that. And everyone made room. I'm sure that kid never found that stuff again, ever. <laughs> but but, but he, he ended up, one kid even took the shell that was left from his backpack and carried it. And, and that's, that's an example, and I, I can see that in my mind, how, how we carried his burden. 
We, we took it off of him and carried it for him because he wanted to go. He didn't want to go back. And when I think about church life and what happens when you and I, actually, we are made aware of our burdens because we share, we talk, it's real. And then I literally get involved in your life so that I can pick part of that burden up with you and walk with you through that struggle. That's what healthy church is about, sharing the burden, sharing the burden, using your gifts, your abilities, I'm fascinated with the things that you do and, and the, the ministries around here. When I think of Serve 6-8 and hundreds of people who are out there making a difference every day, it blows my mind, the things that have been accomplished through it. The volunteers here. I, I just walked around looking at greeters and ushers and nursery workers, our traffic team, our security team. I think of media and arts and people who bring this stuff up, stuff up here to the stage and, and the, the willingness behind the scenes to work. Um, there's a stuffing of the bulletin ministry at this church. The, the things that go inside, I think it's Fridays that they meet. Anybody on that team? Just wave at me if you're on that team. Look at this, a few of you. And, and you don't know who they are, and, and you don't even know how that gets in there, but now you do, see? Just, it gets in there because people sit around the table in the conference room and stuff thousands and thousands and thousands of bulletins. Thank God for that. It matters, doesn't it? It matters. So there's so many ways that you can get involved. I look at ministries in nursing homes that people from this church will be in those nursing homes today. The Murphy Center, which is the homelessness or near homelessness ministry. I think of financial planning. We have financial planners who will sit down with people who've never done a budget and help them plan financially. Volunteers who give their time, who know what they're doing. Small group leaders, men and women's ministries, youth and children's workers. I think of you're impacting lives every day. We have people who cook for special events and funerals and serve and for our worship teams on weekends like this. I, th I just wanna say thank you for carrying a burden. Thank you for helping make it happen. We can't do that in and of ourselves. It takes all of us to do that. I, I look at number three. This is where it can get a little complicated. Number three is a healthy church is a church that appreciates diversity. Appreciates that we're not all the same cookie cutter Christians. We, we don't all come from the same mold, right? And so what does that mean? How, what does that look like? Look at verse four. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. That's a comparison is such a huge issue in our culture. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. When I think of the diversity in even the disciples, can you imagine being Peter, James, being fishermen, and Jesus saying, come and follow me, and they follow him and they trust him, and he goes up to Matthew, the tax collector, who they probably despised. The Bible, the Bible is, says that tax collectors were hated. No one liked them. And I know we all love the IRS today. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> the, they had the power to just come into your house and assess everything, and you had to pay tax. Whatever they said, it was completely subjectional. If they didn't like you, they could charge you more. And here's some fishermen who had businesses who paid tax, probably quite a bit of tax. And Jesus is saying, Matthew, I want you on my team. <laughs> you can read it in the Bible. They kind of pulled Jesus aside, and they're like, Matt, do you know what Matthew does? He's a tax collector. Yeah, and he's gonna be a disciple. He's gonna be one of the 12. What? 
Yeah, let's go to his house for dinner. We're not going to his house for dinner. Yes, we are. Let's go. He's going to feed us. I'm not going. Well, then you're not going to be my disciple. Okay, I'll go. I mean, it, it, was, it was tense. And, and I, I love the fact that we're a part of a church where there's people who, who are trying to get along with people that they won't naturally connect with. I, all of us have insecurities, all of us. That's why this comparing thing is a big deal. I, I remember the first time I had some like feelings of insecurity. You grow up as a kid kind of, you know, with your parents and they, they, my parents were confidence building in us kids and all that, and, but man, seventh grade, like when junior high, I know it's middle school now, sixth grade, but we went into gym class and there's this one guy named Charlie. He already had hair on his chest. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, me and my buddies kind of huddled in the corner like, did you see Charlie's chest? <laughs> he's, he's got hair on his chest. We are punked. You know, God, please give me hair on my chest. I just, I want to be a man like Charlie. I had a friend that I would play catch with with a football, and like he could throw the perfect spiral every time. And, and I'm like a one in three, you know what I mean? And so I can get it there, but that perfect spinning spiral, the Manning kind of spiral, it's beautiful. And, and I, I looked at his grip, I looked at how he threw the ball, I looked at his release, I, could ne- I practiced it when he wasn't around. Just, I just never could quite throw the ball. I always wanted. So it's, it's, it's funny the places that we find those little insecure moments and we compare ourselves with someone else. The joy of being a church that is God's bride, he, he named us, is that we don't all have to be the same and we don't all have to be good at the same things. That's what makes us a healthy church. Churches that have all the same kind of people don't have that diversity. It's just amazing to me. I want us to appreciate that diversity. I love the fact that at 8.30 this morning, I was in the South Auditorium, those of you that are in there right now, that is called Timberline Traditions at 8.30. And we sang hymns, we sang the Old Rugged Cross, we have communion every week and I get to lead it. And it's just a wonderful expression. That room feels very different than this room in that particular service. And yet those people, these people, we all love God the same. But there's a different style in there. I love that. I love that some people dress up when they come to church, and some don't even think about that. <laughs> We're lucky they wear something. <laughs> right? Right? It's amazing. I, I love that there are cars in our parking lot right now. I just looked out the window a while ago at all of your cars. And I love the fact that there's this little smart car that takes up a fourth of a parking space, and then there's this big, massive, dually crew cab truck with a hitch that sticks out like this long that breaks your kneecap when you walk around it, you know? <laughs> Diesel. It's just, it's just amazing. We got, we got all this stuff out there, and, and everybody has this different blend. I love that the young and the not-so-young are sitting on the same rows in here today. I, I love that, that we have rich people and poor people in the same rooms today. I love that there are people who share. We have people who, Timberline is their church and they live in their automobile. And, and it's what they choose. They're comfortable there. And we love those people. There are others who make a lot of money and do amazing things and own businesses. And they love their church and we serve together. That's a healthy church. That's what we want. That's our goal is to say, God, you send us people and we will love one another. And it's not always easy. I, I, here's the question I want you to ask, and, and we'll move to number four. Um, 
If every person in this church were just like you, would we have a really healthy church? <laughs> you don't even believe in yourself, do you? <laughs> I, I think maybe for a while we would, but what would happen is you would learn to be sick of yourself pretty quick. Because we don't even know our own tendencies and how we come across to others sometimes. But that's the joy, and that's also why we have to work at it. You know, it's why we have to pay attention to being together and doing it well and being kind. I had a lady who said to me, I can't believe this big church is so friendly. I walked in here scared to death. I swore I'd never go to a big church. I come from a church of 80 people. People kept telling me I ought to check out Timberline. No, it's too big. I'll be scared to death in there. And she said, I walked in and people talked to me and they said hi to me. And someone asked if, if I needed a seat. And I, I, I sat next to them. They asked my name. And, and she's feeling right at home. Thank you. Thank you. Let's never be a church that's just on our way, somewhere in the hall. You know, you can't look at anybody. You know, it's okay to look at someone and say hi, even if you don't know them. It's like, it's like the elevator trick. You know what I mean? It's like everybody gets on the elevator. It's like, Six, please. Five, please. Two, please. Do it yourself. I'm, I'm not your servant, right? It's an attitude. But if we can be people who care and we carry the burden and we share with one another. Number four, I gotta hurry, wow. Number four, um, okay, a healthy church is a church that understands sowing and reaping. You plant and you reap a harvest. If you don't plant, we have farmers in our church, ranchers, we have gardeners, some of you who plant stuff, you expect what you plant will grow, right? If it's healthy soil and you water it, you do all the right stuff. And if you don't plant anything, what happens? Weeds grow, right? Can you say Roundup, right? It's just amazing that weeds grow. Look at verse seven. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now that's huge because this verse, these verses impact us both personally and corporately as a church. Let, let me start with the personal stuff. When you sow or plant seeds in your life that feed the flesh man in you, you're in danger because those seeds will grow. And before you know it, it begins to take over your life. And then even if you don't want them to grow anymore, it's really hard to pluck everything out because of the pattern you've been living in. I had someone say to me, it was about a sin they were gonna commit. It was a pleasure sin, and they said, I'm just gonna do this one time. And I just thought to myself, you know, and I said this to them, I would really think about that because when you plant one seed, it's very difficult to get that out. And, and you always have the memory. There are certain things in your life that you should never even do once. Don't feed those flesh desires because they can take hold and root in your life. Have you ever heard the phrase, um, you can't eat just one? What was that in, in context to? Yeah, chips. Chips, that's so true, they're so good, aren't they? <laughs> I have that same problem with chocolate-covered almonds. And it's, I don't buy them. I don't buy chocolate-covered almonds um, because I eat them if I buy them. And, but I love them. And so Darren, Pastor Darren Fred and his wife Mel, who he's the pastor at Timberline Old Town, every Christmas, 
they give me this big tin, this big can of chocolate-covered almonds. And I've told them to stop it, and they won't. They are rebellious. And Mel said to me the other day, or maybe it was Darren, but they said, oh, we just want to make sure that our, our pastor can withstand temptation, so we buy that for you every year. They're sitting in my office at home where I, I do all my studying there, and they're sitting right in the middle of my credenza. The lid is still on it, and they're nicely wrapped in some plastic bags to keep them moist, and every now and then I make a decision that I'm gonna eat some. But I have to really decide that I'm gonna eat some because I know I can't eat one. So I either don't open the lid when I go in there, or I make a willful decision to eat several. Because if I, if I say I'm going to eat one, I end up lying to myself and having to repent because my body craves another one. It's just the God factor in me. I think God likes chocolate. I don't know. But, but you, know, you know what I'm talking about when you have to pay attention to those moments in your life when you know, I'm attracted to this. Hello? I like this. I want this. Uh, I want to get closer to that. But I know I shouldn't. I need to pay attention. And I just, I just want to call you to a high road today. I want to call us to that road where God is blessing and we plant seeds in us that are right and come from the Spirit so that our garden is full, our mind is full, and it's with fruit, and it's with health, and it's the stuff that God wants us to be filled with. I want us to be givers, time, talent, and treasure. We're investing in children and youth this year. We did a campaign last fall, open spaces, to remodel our children's wing and our, our youth centers, and we're well on our way to getting those designed and getting some things done. I just can't wait. We had some money that was designated specifically for the new church plant that was a strip club called a hunt club, and now it's gonna be a church. And, and people gave specifically to that. Other people gave specifically to youth and children. But, but in, in 2013, last year, as of December 31st, uh, over $1.3 million had been given to these two projects because you guys said, we're gonna make a difference. It's powerful to me. And we're still in the campaign. Those of you who have made those faith promises, you're gonna keep giving. I, I thank God for you. If you are raising kids, if you, are, if you have kids that are zero to 21 years of age, and I know sometimes some of you feel like you're raising them and they're older than that, but you can't stand up. If, if you have kids, zero to 21, stand up right now, please. South Auditorium, you too. Zero to 21. Look around, folks. You guys, just stay standing for just a minute. You have a really tough job, and you need the mantle of God on your lives in order to raise those kids in this kind of a culture that we live in. Do you know that? Do you know how difficult this is? You do, because you're in the middle of it. We want you to know that we've got your back. We as a church are praying for you. We believe in you, and right now we're gonna pray for you. Lord, thank you for parents. Thank you for people who are willing, who maybe didn't know what they were getting into, but they are in it now. And we as a church, we put our arms around these families, and we pray for their kids. We ask you to bless and encourage and strengthen every effort of this family to raise a healthy family, to be a godly home, Give them all that they need financially, spiritually, emotionally to be strong as a family. In your name we pray, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. We need you to be strong. Our efforts are going that direction. Some of you are learning to tithe. It's made a difference.
uh, in the last few months of 2013. It's been amazing to see those of you who have said, I'm going to be a percentage giver. It's not just going to be random. I'm going to budget for this. I'm going to make this happen. Thank you. That's what a church can do. What we can do together, we can't do alone. Last thing, number five, a healthy church is a church that takes advantage of opportunities. And boy, is this ever Timberline. I mean, I'm amazed at the doors that God opens for us. It just blows my mind. Things that you can't plan. But, but I wanna just read verse nine and 10. Listen to this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because sometimes it's, we get weary, right? Let's not get tired. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith, the the fellowship, the church. So we're looking for opportunities to bless someone, to encourage someone, to make a difference in someone's life. We're watching for that. That's so opposite than just watching out for good old number one, isn't it? It's paying attention to hold that door. It's paying attention to bless someone, to pray for someone, to get a little deeper into their life as you have opportunities. Look for someone doing something right and tell them good job. Let's have that kind of a culture in our church. God opens doors. When we started Serve 6-8, we started it because we needed a structure that would facilitate effective serving in our community. And hundreds of you jumped in and said, I'll go, I'll help, and you're fixing stuff up, and you're making a difference just to serve in our city. At that time, we had no idea that it would be such a powerful force that United Way would give us the Murphy Center to run it. And and I don't know of anywhere in the country where United Way has given any property to a faith-based organization. But you know what they said? They said, you guys are getting it done. You're serving daily in our community. We trust you. We like your attitude, your heart, your passion for our city. Keep doing what you're doing. Here you go. Thank you, guys. Thank you for for being that, for giving yourself to the work of God. I'm I'm so thankful. When Aaron Beckola walked into my office a few years ago and said, I own the Hunt Club, a strip club, the only one in Larimer County, and I'm coming to faith, and I don't believe this is a good place, and I want to see it close." Will you help me? I had no idea at that point in time that we would buy that building and that we would be planning a church and that Pastor Rob and Joy Coles would be the pastor. Are you kidding? It was just an opportunity and we were ready to do it. Same with Windsor. When we said we need a campus in Windsor, we have so many people coming. I had no idea that Pastor Reza and his wife Allison would say, we'll do it, we'll go. They're doing amazing things. They started their own Saturday night service just last night. And they're growing and they're healthy. And you go, wow, God, who would have thought of that? You know what I've decided my new job is? Um, I, I, just, I just check the knobs on all the doors that God puts in front of us. Of a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a knob checker. <laughs> that's my job. And you know what happens is most of them are locked, but then like I find one that's like, oh, and it's open. And so I walk through it. And you know what I always find on the other side? Ten more doors. <laughs> It's like, oh, let's start checking. And I think God, for some reason, it's unique, you guys. Timberline Church just ends up in these situations where God gives us people where it, the, the kingdom of God is, is built through you, and you care, and you do it. And I want to say in this year, when we have those opportunities and we jump on it, I want you to be able to be in a position where you can respond. And you can give of your time and your heart and with passion say, we want to be a part of something that's making a difference in the world. 
Let's pray about that right now. Lord, thank you that you have put us in a position, unlike I've ever been in before, to where opportunities come to us and wow, we step in and you just bless and you strengthen and it seems like you provide the, the expertise, the knowledge, the finances, it's amazing. Thank you for these people. God, show us how to be a healthy church that honors you in everything that we do. Show us how to live healthy individually in our homes, in our singleness, in our marriages for those who are married, in raising our families for those who have children, in retirement. Lord, I just pray for those folks who are retired here today that, that just they need to see how valued they are in the kingdom of God and that they use that time for your purposes, I pray. For rest, keep us a church that rests, that we won't wear people out needlessly. Help us individually to know the power of rest. With heads bowed, I'm, I just wanna pray for a couple things specifically, and I don't want you to raise your hand because that's all of us. I think all of us could say, I, I'm not perfectly healthy. Like you're probably, some of you are pretty healthy. I feel pretty healthy, but I, I know there's some things in my life too that. God could put a check mark by to say, could you work on this, Northrop? Because there's a few things you need to, to think about here. I just want you to let God put, put a circle on your heart on some things that you know he's talking to you about. You love God. You care about the kingdom of God. You're giving. You're sharing. You're, you're, you're using your gifts. But I'm just saying, let's go to that next level of health as a church to say, we are going to care about the God stuff going on in our world. And we're going to do everything within our power, our means, our gift mix to make it happen. Lord, do that in our hearts right now, I pray. Every one of us, I ask you. Lord, I also ask you to put it in our hearts, if we're going to be a healthy church, for every one of us to, to examine time, talent, and treasure. I really do believe that there are some of you, God's given you the gift of giving. We, we've seen that in our church. We're or that's what you do. Maybe you don't have time at all, but you make money, and, and God helps you to make money. And I thank you for being generous. Others of you have no money, right? And you're like, oh man, I just wish I had a job right now. But you have some time. And one isn't more important than the other. Use your talent for the glory of God. Do what God puts in your heart, but let's steward the gifts God puts into our hands. That's, that's what health is. And let's celebrate that. Let's not try to be someone else. Let's be fully us, and let's bring what we can only bring to the table. And I promise you, we'll accomplish God's will as a church if we do that. Lord, put that mantle on us and keep it on us. Remind us to not plant seeds that are unhealthy, but to be strong in you for the glory of God. Lord, if there's one that needs to have faith in you today that doesn't believe you died for them, right now, encourage their heart. Let them feel your presence. If that's you, just say this prayer with me right now. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm separated from you and I know it. I need to be cleansed, my heart. I need you to walk with me and show me how to live in a way that honors you. I give you my life today. I trust that you died on a cross for my sin and rose from the dead and I'm pledging my life to you. Thank you for forgiveness. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. <laughs> So fun, wow. Gotta love it, gotta love it. Let's all stand, would you? That's so fun, we're so proud of you ladies. God bless you, they're heading back to the table. Go see them, you can take their music home with you today.
You know, I love the fact that we can be a part of stuff like this. I love the fact that we can develop people's skills and teach people ministry. And that's a great opportunity that we have. But let's continue to make a vow to be the best that we can be and to please God with all that we are. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to be the church. It's just the greatest thing ever. We celebrate that together. And we ask you to send this church out of this place to make a difference in this world for the glory of God. And everyone said amen. amen. Our prayer team is gonna be up here. Come and let us pray with you. Tables in the mall. The service starts now. Go make a difference. God bless you.